prison where we create lifelong felons. It is almost more humane to kill someone immediately than it is to intentionally bury a man alive. Do you want more criminals? Because this is how you get more criminals. <laughs> it's just all sorts of fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> there, but for the grace of God, go I. We were aiming for the Latinos and we got all the black people. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I need an explanation on that. <laughs> Welcome back to the Epic Podcast, your weekly dose of mental foreplay. My name is Matt. I'm Jen. I'm Austin. I'm Joni. I'm Christina. And I'm David. And this week we are talking about the prison system. Uh, I don't know if we actually just said that we were just talking about here in the U.S. or, or globally, but there's some interesting stats I think that would help put things in context. Um, context. The U.S. is approximately 5% of the world population, yet we have about 25% of the world's prison population. That population has increased 700% since the 80s, and uh, that's around the time when mandatory sentencing kind of kicked in. So um, what were the, the, the big things that you guys saw? Like, I mean, I, I guess the question I was thinking about first is like, why, why do we imprison people? What's the, what's the base reasoning for that? It's not without reason. It's not just a, a reaction out of fear, but what is the reason that we imprison people? Uh, before, like, that stat, 5% of the world's population, but literally a quarter of the world's prison population. So a 20th of the total population, but a quarter of the prison population. That's crazy out of whack. Well, that's because we're the land of the free and the home of the brave, right? But how many nations just kill people for things? Uh, or I mean, chop off hands well, for things? I, I mean, there are a few. I, yeah, but I wouldn't think that that would be, I wouldn't think that that would be uh, the thing. I think it's mostly that other nations just have... Less crime? Oh, dear. Crappy police forces. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a thing mm-hmm. as well. I mean, hmm. I know... My my experience with uh, Costa Rican police is that it's a crappy police force, um, same as Mexican. Police. Lots of corruption. Mm-hmm. Lots of corruption. Lots of not just. I'm not saying Costa Rica, but just lots of police forces are famous yeah. for corruption. Um, we don't have that here in the, the states. More, the more ci- <laughs> the more civilized, quote unquote. I mean, I guess more advanced country like that. I have some uh, experience with uh, Israel. I didn't really see that many cops either. I mean, it's, it's, it, they were a little more, they're, they're a bit more chill. I mean, you, you do see them in places like, you know, Jerusalem and stuff like that, where you have the potential of having, um, uh, suicide or bombs, terror, terrorist bombs, uh, attacks and stuff like that. But, but I don't think that there was a whole lot of more petty, crime stuff i guess or whatever you call it are you saying rules laws are more lax possibly yeah there's a lot of factors for sure oh sure i mean the the history behind the prison system and how we got to where we are and um there isn't a whole lot there like imprisonment has kind of always been a thing 
But the one thing I thought of that we don't do now is we don't banish people. That used to be a thing is that you banish people outside your country, but now there's really nowhere yeah. to go. So instead, we just lock them up because what else are you going to do? If you don't want them in society, that's really the only option. Hmm. Send them to Australia. Or it yeah. used to be send them to Australia. And now that's not an option. So. <laughs> I think one of the interesting things that I find is that whenever I'm watching some kind of you know, outrageous policing action here in the United States, you know, something that's causing outrage, a lot of the times I'm thinking like, do we just fund the system too much that these are the things that we're going, we're choosing to police that we're choosing mm-hmm. to spend our, our, our effort and energy and money on? Um, you know, I, obviously there's other places in the system that that money could go, but uh, I don't know, like when I see a, you know, somebody being harassed for picking up garbage around their house as their job by eight police officers, I'm like, what are we doing here? Uh, <laughs> Right. I remember hearing about that, the churches that were handing out food to like homeless people in the corner sure. and ended up getting arrested for it. Or children who don't have a permit to sell lemonade on the, on the you know, sidewalk. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> like, I mean. That's legit shit. It's so stupid. <laughs> the heck? Yeah. And I think it goes back to Matt's original question, like why, why do we imprison people? And I think it's money. Well, I mean, yeah. Have you, have you seen also um, – paramilitary vehicles that they've bought that some oh boy some, some of these places have like the militarization of the police force yeah, yeah it's getting insane like these are like you know humongous crazy vehicles and for what <laughs> for what really i mean depends where you're at i was gonna um, say we live in a pretty <laughs> we live in a pretty it's into a whole nother topic area yeah. and i don't see police officers hardly ever like, and I'm driving all over the place for work, and I don't see a police officer hardly ever. Yeah, Except it's so weird I, depending on where you live. Right? I drive right. by the police station, and there might be a cop or two, like, in the parking lot. And that's, about, that's about it. Yeah. I don't see them patrolling. I think when we were down on the border in Arizona for a while, like, sure. we, went, we went down to visit, and they were, they had, like, an, an, an MRAP parked at, yeah, <laughs> an MRAP parked at an elementary school, you know, which is, like, a, a military-grade vehicle. And we, and we were pumping those out during the, the height of our our time in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I think it's so interesting that we have those for police one, because it just totally changes the image of, of who the police are and what their mission is, which on a, you know, in a border town is, is, is it, you know, admittedly sometimes different, but uh, man, the amount of maintenance required for those vehicles, mm-hmm. the amount of specialty maintenance that is expensive. Hmm. So. I mean, it, whoever said it comes back to money. I think it was you, Jen. It was me. Like clearly it's never about the money. It's always about the morals and the, oh, the principles. My bad. Money Sorry. is just as, you know, it's just a side. So don't follow the money, whatever you do. Noted. The, what is it? $75 billion. Oh yeah. So the number today, $75 billion industry mm-hmm. is the prison industry. That's ridiculous. Actually, I saw one that said 185 billion. Let me. Yeah. I, like anything, it depends on how you count it. You know, but in dollars or half dollars, <laughs> no, I mean, do you, do you include do you include the police force in the prison uh-huh. industry? Yeah, yeah. You know, do you include sure. what do you, you know, was, do you include the judges? This, you know, this also sure. included the judicial system and right. that would explain and, it. Yeah. So, but it's I mean it's huge, and I I coming back to that whole like international comparison. Um, yeah, there are countries where you. <laughs> 
they don't have big prisons because they just kill you. Um, you know, or you have the guerrilla force. So I get it. It's not that the U.S. is the worst place. Yes, the stat is pretty crazy, mm-hmm. but it isn't exactly one of those stats that you can just take on the nose and say, see, we're the worst again. Mm-hmm. Like, so, yeah, that's a fair shape. At the same time, there's cultures that, like we did an episode already on the Chinese um, social credit system. Mm-hmm. They're introducing social credit as an attempt to let the community police itself. That's one of the one of the interesting side notes that we found in our research was this this idea that because China has essentially lost any sense of a higher power in the form of a deity, as a communist country, they're largely atheist, or become they're an atheist culture at least. Um, they the, the Chinese government has realized that moral behavior has declined significantly. And so the idea of being nice to your neighbor and not cutting in line and not stealing shit and not beating each other up on the street, like they're having a hard time controlling the world's largest population. And so they introduced social credit as one of the ways to police each other. So when you see somebody jaywalking, you can report them. When you see somebody stealing something, you can report them. And so again, you know, they don't have a prison system like ours. They have a social credit system that if you do something stupid, you don't get to travel. So really, it's a broader subject of how does a country choose to punish bad behavior? And and in some countries choose to kill you. (laughs) Some countries choose to remove your ability to travel. Some countries put you in prison um, and so on and so forth. And obviously we're talking about the U S prison system. And then so to acknowledge the other options, I think is good for an honest take on the subject, but then to be able to say, okay, we're, we're specifically talking about the prison concept. We understand it's not the only one, um, but it is certainly one that I think we're, we would all agree we're doing very poorly. Mm -hmm. So um, I think for anybody who's listening to this and, you know, well, what about this? What about that? Yeah, we get it. We're acknowledging that. But this is something very specific to the United States. Is that fair? Yeah. But I think you're saying, like, how are we doing? But what's the goal of the prison system? Like, if it's to rehabilitate people, for sure. But if, It's failing. Exactly. If, <laughs> if the goal is just to punish people, I mean, I guess we're, we're punishing them pretty well. I don't well, know. I mean, they're literally <laughs> screwing up their lives. Exactly. I mean, One of the stats I heard was that 60% of people that get out of prison return to prison. I think it's and, like 67 or 68%. Within yeah, the that they, they can go in, but then by being there is actually making them worse off than they were before because they're literally having to fight for their life, literally having to fight for food, literally having to fight for everything. They're learning to become better criminals. Yes, yeah. exactly. That's, what I, that's one of the things I was listening to. So then they go out and just end up back. And it's almost out of necessity that they're learning to be better criminals. Mm-hmm. Right. For, it's life or death. And that, that, that speaks to, I know, my hook where I was talking about, you know, if you want, you know, where you create lifelong felons is in prison because mm-hmm. the behavior that they have to have, whether it's if they're in general, general population, you know, being warehoused with other, you know, literally st- stacked in bunks and giant rooms with other inmates, or they're in solitary confinement, which is pretty horrible. You're, you're creating a, a new person that's going to have attributes that are not the same as when they came in. And those attributes aren't going to be any better for the most part. And it's pretty weird to 
to hear that coming from a place called the Department of Corrections. <laughs> well, and not even just what they learn while they're in there. Like once they get out, they don't really have a leg to stand on because they're they're not able to get student loans, public housing, food stamps. They're jobs. Socially, yeah, they're very hard to get jobs. They're socially disconnected. Um, there's high rates of homelessness and suicide. Like, uh, I wonder why. I mean, gracious. It feels like we're just we're basically dehumanizing people. Once they get once they get sentenced with something, it's like we're saying, "Well, sorry you made the bad choices. Sucks to be you. You're forever stuck. You're not even anymore." When I first started um, researching this, I was watching like a, a prison documentary and was just horrified at what was going on. I was literally in shock. I had no idea what was going on. It's like, how are we letting this happen? How are we not delving into prison reform? Like, really? And I read and looked at that there are a lot of people that have tried to initiate, um, you know, education and job training, and then it came down to funding, and funding was pulled because they're prisoners. They don't deserve that stuff. So then we're literally creating our own problems, sending them back into society unprepared, uneducated and causing the same problem. But I did find out this was not widely publicized that President Trump just passed a bill in December 2018. The First Step Act. Has anyone else heard about that? I hadn't even heard about that. Mm-hmm. I think it was, wasn't it uh, Kim Kardashian that was trying to work with them on that? Oh, I'm not sure. But but I know, and that's when um, Homeboy, uh, the, the rapper with uh, who always wears the MAGA hat. Um, oh. Kanye. Kanye. Kanye West. Oh, he was also yeah. involved. That's right. I did hear about that. Right. But I, I found a press <laughs> yeah. release. Just to make sure. why both of them were talking about it. <laughs> um, Working together. I found a, a press release that was just from two months ago. So this is this is really, really new. But one of the things that um, he's pushing for is uh, vocational training. That President Trump has been pushing for in this act is vocational training and educational training and rehabilitating people. So that when they do go back out, they're legitimate citizens and can add back to society instead of just returning back to the prison system. Well, it makes a lot of sense because the amount of money that it costs, if nothing else, I mean, <laughs> it's ridiculous. I, for one example, I was watching one video where it said that the guy, one of her clients, I, I'm not sure exactly what she did, but she was in the system somehow, uh, the guy was arrested for stealing a $3 bottle of orange juice. He served 50 days in jail. And then he racked up a $10,000 bill somehow. I don't know what all was involved in that, but <clears throat> supposedly justice was served in that case because he paid for his bottle of juice. I mean, so we paid $10,000 exactly. for that bottle of juice. <laughs> How ridiculous is that? Hmm. Or, for another example, uh, a guy who owed $1,500 in child support, he couldn't pay. He didn't see any way he was going to be able to pay in a timely manner. So he offered to go to jail for 30 days for that. Did serve. it cancel out the, the bill? No, the child didn't get the support. It cost the taxpayers uh, $1,650. That shouldn't even be an option. And, go to Right? But, I mean, he was getting punished. And that, and that to me, points to the focus of the the system is to punish people sure. period and that it doesn't make sense like that's a really old school way of thinking for sure and that that comes back to i was like can we drill down into like the thing that puts all these people in there which is the culture 
of, how do I put it? Um, I don't like what you're doing, so government help, please, please yeah. make him stop. <laughs> this, this bullshit yeah. of, I disagree with what you're doing, so my politician better make a law to punish you. And it's and it is a culture that we've had with just this massive, massive uptick in micromanagement, social con, social constructing, social constructing, constructing, social whatever. construct, social construction, constructing. I don't know what's the word. <laughs> sure. Basically, trying to manipulate our social structure uh, through law. Yeah, social engineering. That's a better word. Thank you. I knew there was a more common term. Um, <laughs> so that we're, we're, we've got these micromanagement, social engineering laws that are just coming out in droves in, in the form of add-ons to the farm bill and freaking other crap that happens, you know, these budgets and that budget, like these little things. And there is, I mean, it is a known fact that, and the, was it Neil Gorsuch, the, the, one of the Supreme Court justices, just recently, last week, came out and said, and in his opinion on some case, in his, I think he wrote the dissenting opinion, his thing was like, the, the judicial system has gotten so bad to where and it is so complex and there are so many rules and so many laws that there really is not a single person in existence who isn't breaking at least a dozen laws of which at least one of them is imprisonable, a prisonable uh, offense. Nice. That literally there's nobody in the, in the United States who shouldn't be in prison. <laughs> and I, okay. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Jen. I was just going to throw out a, a ridiculous law. It was around um, Halloween time, and I think it's like Vermont or some, I don't know, some state that says it's, it's against the law to go trick-or-treating if you're over the age of 13. <laughs> it was a big discussion like how many of us wow. after 13 were trick-or-treating well throw them in jail for you know, like, that's why, one of the things i wrong? heard is that literally they're throwing they said at one point there was a five-year-old kid that was in prison what? and a 10-year-old no. kid I, I i listened to two stories about that because oh, there's these private prisons that are making money off people so they're taking everybody and anybody they can mm -hmm. and literally kids being like, in prison prison or juvie well well, probably well juvie. the juvenile detention centers are under private ownership and what i was looking into was in, they were including that in the prison system definitely i think the the easy answer to what austin's talking about is put sunset clauses on laws that way you know we have to revisit them every revisit them every five ten years and and see like hey do we still want this does this still make sense or was this has it bullshit? been working right yeah has the culture changed? Has has the technology changed? Has the judge changed? <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> Otherwise, you just have this this one way, you know, ramp of, of of laws being created and going on the books, and the book just getting thicker and thicker and thicker. But that's how most people believe: is that there's there's a right and there's a wrong. There's a yes and there's a no. There's a this is how it should be, and I think it's very rare actually to find anybody that thinks you can change your mind. The society might change, the culture might change. Obviously, that's something we all believe. I don't think that's as rampant as we would hope it would be. And freedom is yeah. not in style. <laughs> yeah. I don't care what Sean Hannity says. <laughs> 
because um, the intro to his show, Freedom is Back in Style. No, it's uh, not. No, it's dude. not. And I've listened to your show, and I'm definitely more conservative than I am liberal, but the conservative crowd is just as control freaks, you know, yeah. freak-oriented as the liberals. They just want to control different things. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me freedom is in style when you're the one who still decides what I get to be free with. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that is not... I mean, I think I'm I'm a very pr- loud and proud libertarian these days, right? And sure, I get it. Libertarians, there's certain platforms and whatever. And anytime you put yourself in a box, there's always a caveat. But nonetheless, of the three major, if there are three major political streams, libertarian is is by far to me the closest to where I would go. And and the thing about that I would say the reason that makes me is because. I genuinely do disagree with many behaviors. I, however, do not think that my opinion over your behavior should matter. Would you say that that's uh, overall the the libertarian viewpoint on on this subject in particular? Do they have a viewpoint on? Oh yeah, oh yeah, libertarians (laughs) on on prison. Um, the uh, on the Facebook group that I follow is a. Oh, darn it. Libertarian Facebook group. I can't think of the name of it right now, but they regularly post stuff on prison, especially now with all of the states that are legalizing marijuana and realizing that the prisons are filled with people who are there because of marijuana. Non-violent drug offenders. Non-violent drug offenders. Yeah. Why, why now that the rules have changed, why don't they just immediately get out? Yeah. And they're in states that where it's now legal. Wow. That, they have retroactive. California, California was trying to pass something like that. Um, I don't know if they ended up doing it or not, but that would make retro, that would even clear their, um, clear their, their, record, their record and everything. That's because what I found this press release. At, with, uh, sorry, go ahead, sorry. David. No, I was saying ahead, a lot David. of people that, that went to jail for drug possession, they, they had that record on their, mm-hmm. on their record. And, mm-hmm. uh, all the issues with getting jobs and stuff like that still apply to them, even though what they did is now legal. But even though it's, it's legal in the state, it's still illegal federally. So they would still be breaking that law. Sure. But, but the state is now making money off of it via taxes and, and, and mm. the drug dealer that was you know, trying to make a living is behind bars. Mm-hmm. So. Mm. That's, <laughs> Not to say that, you know, no, and on top of that, created equal, but a, a lot of these, like, if you have a record, if you, this is the funny thing, if you have, if you went to jail for any drug related crime, you cannot sell legal pot anymore. Huh. Is that federal? No, it's not federal, but a lot of these states that have legalized recreational use and so on and so forth have, have that in like if you if you went to jail for a drug related crime then you can't sell the legal stuff now there's there's an element to hey when it was illegal you were breaking the law sure. it's now legal doesn't mean that you weren't breaking the law two years ago so i i get elements of that i think the component is then you have to do look at the, the desire for punishment this punishment culture this get them they're different than me culture is really the freaking we're just putting out more literally every time something offensive happens on twitter 
there's a group of people that, that become the anti-offensive thing on Twitter, a coalition, and start lobbying Congress to make a law against that, that small group of people. Well, here's a good question that brings up because so many victims of crimes or even the people want justice. They want justice served. So, you know, we've been talking about punishment, but what does it mean to enact justice? What, what is justice? Because it's our justice system. It's what is that creating? Um, I think they deserve air quotes. Our justice system? Yes. <laughs> I think there's a lot of, like, there's a different way to value what law is broken. For example, if I get arrested for smoking pot and having a bong on me, that's completely different as if I were to go kill somebody. And so while there's different levels, like it has to reflect that somehow because taking a life is completely different than, I don't know, doing something stupid, like running a light and arguing with a police officer. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like there's a backstory there. Uh, no, there isn't. I'm just <laughs> trying to think of some cool law that could be broken and that was found uh, in my brain. Give me flashbacks over here. Um. <laughs> <laughs> red lights, sir? <laughs> I've heard uh, your red light story. Day, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think, uh, not, not to shift away, because this is this kind of plays party to what you're saying. I think one of the interesting things I came across as we were digging through this stuff is when I came across Michael Moore's uh, documentary, something about invade, you know, U.S. invading the world. I forget what the title of it was. But he invaded Norway uh, because of their prison system. And for comparison's sake, Norway has about a 20% recidivism rate. Like people within five years, like people will be back in jail at the above 20%. Whereas in the U.S., um, I think somebody said earlier, sixty something percent is what I heard. But Michael Moore gives it eighty percent, so who knows where his numbers are? <laughs> yeah. But either way, stark contrast. And if you were to look into the style of these of the prison systems, they're dramatically different. Mm-hmm. Like I would venture to say that a maximum security Norwegian prison is comparable to a minimum security prison in the u.s minimum like minimum white collar prison in the u.s um and the emphasis so much there is i loved it but they're like we're getting these people ready to be somebody's neighbor again mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. he was talking to a guy who was in for for homicide um he was in the kitchen bunch of knives behind him nobody was concerned um you know and then they had another prison that they highlighted it was kind of like a, a place where people like a reward place for people to go or for convicts to go to after they've been good in the uh, the other prisons. And uh, these guys could go for a swim if they wanted to. They just couldn't swim all the way across to, to the land on the other side. Otherwise, that was an escape. Um, but I think it just highlights the big difference in what. why are we doing this? Is it because we're going for justice? Is it because we're mm-hmm. in retaliation? Is it because we want to create good neighbors for the future? And there's a vastly different tree of progress to get you to each one of those. That's a really hard subject. So we were even briefly talking about that the other day um, because there used to be Pell Grants for prisoners that they could go to college and get a college education and come back and have skills. But 
you know, if some kid murders my son, I don't want him getting free college. Like, that's not fair when my son has to pay for it. So I totally get why they pulled that. But at the same time, do you want that person going back into society with no skills other than learning how to deal drugs? And so it, I, I believe it should be more of a reform system. Sure, serve your time. You're punished. You're removed from society because you, you messed up. But in the meantime, we need to train you how to be a good citizen. Um, I think there are some people, you know, there is a whole other side to it, the mental side. There are some people who are just mentally unable to enter society again, and they and should be locked up. Should they be in prison or should they be in a mental ward? And that's a good question. And I think a lot of people that are in prison should be in a mental ward, but a lot of the funding for mental institutions has gone. I know we have a real problem with that here in Michigan. There's one location that's a lockdown facility, and it's in high demand because there are people that should be there, but they can't get there because there's not funding for it. In the state we're in, if, if you're a child and, and need wraparound care, you have to be... Sh- go to a different state entirely because yeah. there's no place for the mental health piece. How long is a, sorry, how long is a conviction for murder? Does anybody know? It depends. Yes. Very it depends, wildly, yeah. unfortunately. First first degree or like, the first degree is like premeditated or something like that, isn't it? I don't know. I, I To be honest, I am completely ignorant about that, but I'm curious how long, how long of a period it would be that, that you would have to be in jail for. And I mean, if you think about it, like being away that long from society and what happens to you um, mentally, I mean, gracious. According to, I just Googled it real quick. So not less than 10 years, nor more than 25 years for first degree murder. I mean, that's the premeditated one. Even 10 years. I mean, I know. That's a long time. Yeah, and you're you you're you 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 don't you lose your I imagine you lose your ability to uh handle social situations. I mean, you're you're hanging out with a bunch of guys for 10 years straight and that's all you see and you can't go wherever you want to go. And then to be you were a man when you murdered someone, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so here's then, a here's a fun vision exercise. Imagine it's 1994 and you've killed somebody. You got the max sentence, 25 years. You get out this year. Hmm. Oh my god! Oh From my 1994 god. till now, <gasps> the whole world's changed. It's a whole different world it's, it's when you get out. Up. Let alone it's what you've problem. gone through in those years. And, 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 and I imagine you don't get any sort of psychological help coming no. out. No. You know, you just. And that's what they're aiming for. for um, that's what they're aiming for. That's what this act that President Trump just enacted was to try and better equip people as they're going out to become part of society again. So we're headed in that direction. I, I at least feel as a, as a culture we're headed in that direction because it can't stay the way it is. I mean, 25% of the world's population of prisoners is in the United States. Like something is really messed up here. I guess, you know, as with any running any business or thinking about any concept like this, you know, if it's all a big machine, there's only so many levers that, you know, that you can pull to change the dynamics of what this machine is doing. And in this case, like 
we could talk about what happens when people get out and everything like that. I still come back to why the fuck are there so many people in the prison? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, to me, it is, it's, it's an input problem. Well, I can tell you why. That's what I looked into was the privatization of the prisons. They said from the 80s, um, before the 80s, it was all federally and state run. Those prisons started to get overrun, so they started going into privatizing. Between the 80s and I think they said the early 2000s, the amount of prisoners increased 700%. They said this did not match. In fact, in that time, the amount of crime has actually decreased and it didn't go along with the population increasing. It was purely prisoners, the amount of prisoners increasing. And it was because uh, almost half of the 2.5 million people that are incarcerated are in privatized prisons, which means they are all about their shareholders. They're all about making money and heads are money. So is the 10-year-olds, the 5-year-olds, getting them in the door, getting them in a bed is money. So they've been, um, I read a lot of articles about how they've been bribing judges. They spent $75 million on lobbyists trying to get laws passed because as soon as you um, relax laws on drugs, relax laws on illegals, relax any laws and you don't have as many criminals, they're not getting as many people in the door. They even have agreements um, with states that uh, basically saying like if 90 to 100% of their beds aren't full, that the state has to pay them money to compensate them for it. Mm-hmm. So the state is just shoving people in these privatized prisons. So that's, that's why you have the laws. That's why you have the amount of people. That doesn't create any weird incentivization right there. Right. All right. No conflict of interest. No, it's, it's totally good. I mean, you, you obviously have that. And then I still come back to our culture of the, um, I, I keep thinking like, okay, so you go to China and you have this, this issue of how do I control my neighbor, right? You go to some other country that doesn't do prison, they just kill you. It's still, how do I control my neighbor? And then you come here to the state, to the States and it's, how do I control my neighbor? And, and I get, if your neighbor wants to kill your, your son, you probably want to control your neighbor. Um, and I think there's the obvious things of murder and rape and, and assault and violence and stuff like that. But the victimless crimes, um, and this is the big libertarian thing. Like if it's it, the victimless crime of, you know, I'm doing drugs. There's no, I'm, I am the victim of my own stupidity, right? Um, that they would, they would have a whole list and I wish I probably should be more better prepared with, with prostitution. That yeah. That one, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. like it's, it's two consenting adults, right? Paying for a service. Who is the person if the but two people in it, go ahead. The hard part on that is how do you know it's consensual? Yes, it's consensual, but my pimp is, threatening to kill me if I say otherwise or if I'm a meth addict that's great but then I have a child in the corner who's taken a chemo of meth to school to say my mom and dad need help so help me like that's a true like I mean those are the gray areas on the prostitution side of that thing I mean it's a world of difference if it's a legalized situation yeah Yeah. you can have clinical places 
going to say, that the, gets the, the whole idea of law. The <laughs> <I can't. laughs> all, all they have to do is turn it into a war on drugs or a war on prostitution or a war on this. And suddenly what you have is, um, have you seen like the war on drugs? Like before the war on drugs started, it was about 7% of the U.S. population that used drugs, yeah. right? Mm. And um, the overdosing was way, way lower. The, the violent crimes surrounding the drugs didn't exist. The money in it was, was moderate and it was a normal industry. Like uh, Joni's grandma was telling stories about how when she was in nursing school, she took cocaine to... to she used to go to the, to the nurse's station to get cocaine to stay up all night to study. Well, cocaine yeah. was also in cough syrup, right? <laughs> yes. Right, and Coca-Cola. And Coca-Cola. I mean, it and was so, normal. <laughs> so, but the and moment she didn't you become a, a cocaine addict. Imagine that. Yeah. Right, because you put a law on it, and then suddenly you develop a black market around it. You develop criminality around it, which, of course, attracts criminals which of course attracts violence, which of course attracts more money because now instead of buying it at the grocery store, I have to buy it, you know, in this CD alley back here where I got to pay five times as much. And so there's five times the amount of money. And now you have this attraction for all this other stuff. And then you've got the prison system and then you've got more laws around that. And then you've got to hire more police. And it's literally these wars that we create are by and large a financial racket that yeah are a control mechanism to then create where what you now have, and there is a movie that recently came out with Tom Cruise, that the CIA is literally the number one, was literally the number one cocaine dealer in the United States. I don't know if they still are, and it's not the point. The point is that literally Hollywood's made a movie on it, and it is a based on a true story. Follow the money is a saying for a reason. Yeah, right. And so when the state becomes the ones that are, are the place where, you, where the 7% of that population needs to go, which, by the way, the numbers haven't changed. The bad numbers, anyways, uh, or the normal numbers haven't changed. It's still 7% of the population who uses drugs. But the violence and the overdosing and all the crap that comes with it, because you have a criminal culture around it, that's still there. So 40 years later, the war on drugs hasn't worked. You know what we should do? We should now do a war on gun, you know, on guns. And then we should do a war right. on religion. And then we should do it because suddenly you criminalize freedom and what you build around it is a culture of control and manipulation and greed and all that other stuff that then the prison system thrives on. If you don't have that culture, you, you have a fraction of the prisoners and ergo, you don't have a prison system that's nearly the size it is. And what our dog that? just fell off the chair, I think. Oh, my. <laughs> what, what is that verse in the Bible? Um, the law came so that sin would increase. <laughs> yeah. It does. What, what you focus there. on is what you get. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's exactly what's happened. The more laws you make, uh, I'll be honest, personal example from this morning. So I was driving into work. I drive, I drive, you know, maybe five over. I'm a pretty decent driver. But I had a cop behind me half the way into town. You can tell I was watching every single mile per hour because now the law literally was behind me, watching me. I literally pulled into a gas station and let him pass so I could just drive like normal the rest of the way into town. But where the law is, is that's your focus. So my entire focus was, am I breaking the law? Am I breaking the law? Am I breaking the law? And that's how this works. The more laws you have, the more people are focused on it and the more prisoners you end up with. I think one of my favorite parts of the war on drugs is that you take these drug offenders and you put them in prison and then where is the where is the drug problem 
in prison. In prison. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's kind of crazy. Like I was, uh, for some reason, I went the the race thing, but um, the arrest, the imprisonment of of black people has increased like crazy, and uh, violent crime. Like it's 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 kind of messed up because violent crime in the black communities has actually decreased but the arrests have basic has have maintained the same amount because they are getting arrested for drug possession for possession of drug paraphernalia and all that stuff and and it's just kind of this whole i mean it i'm basically just really reiterating what we were just talking about in in regards to the whole war on drugs it doesn't work and you know you're I I kind of had a funny idea or thought here when you guys were talking. I was like, you know, basically it's it's college for criminals. Mm-hmm. It's it's criminal go college. to criminal college, learn how to become a criminal in college. That's exactly what it is. You're right. Do you think um, you brought up the African Americans and, and black people in prison? Do you think that's a profiling thing, or I didn't look into that very much. I didn't look I totally- at the totally think it's a profiling thing and it's not i mean i'm not saying it's obviously not a good thing to profile right i mean i'm gonna put that out there i don't think it's a good thing but the fact remains that it happens and the fact also remains that when it does happen they're gonna get convicted because of these dumb laws Mm -hmm. because i mean let's face it i mean everybody does pot everybody does pot or I mean, a lot of people. I mean, do. We don't. We don't. But <laughs> <laughs> just to put that out there. <laughs> no, we don't. Really don't do that. <laughs> it's not. It's not. I don't think it's as taboo as it was when yeah. I was growing up, for sure. Even, and it's not. Go ahead. Sorry. Even if it's not profiling now, what you have is a result of you know there there there, there was profiling. So mm-hmm. there's crime. Police officers are attracted to crime. So now you've got more, more police officers in an area. Naturally, they're going to find more crime. And it, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's a cycle that's you know, hard to break there. It's kind of like, does yeah. anyone... Go Sorry, go ahead, Jen. I was just talking about class, like how there's this, we've segregated our communities and then poverty's kept them in those communities. And so there's no crossover. There's hardly opportunities for them to go to school to better their lives, to increase their their annual income so they can get out of this rut and it's it's almost like we have um out of prison prisons within the communities in which we've kind of segregated people sure and i mean you bring up you know economic stratification and just the idea of like people that have money and are available are able to (laughs) hey dog (laughs) (laughs) this is hops by the way (laughs) he's the unofficial mascot there you go (laughs) Um, Oh boy. Economic something fancy. Oh, it just yeah, people with money can all of a sudden avoid prison because yeah. they've got money. Or Whereas, they can only do a six month term because they're a good athlete. Sure. Oh boy. Oh no. no. Or they're an actor for a show and nobody knows why they got off or but, right. I mean, you also have to look at you know, you 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 have uh young men that are or yeah, young you have men, young men, whatever. Uh, that are that are going to prison, and that is a person, that is a part of the family that will not be able to contribute to the family. 
Mm-hmm. So you're destabilizing families in these areas that are the places that require the, you know, I mean, if you're living in a rough neighborhood, say your dad smokes pot or whatever, was smoking pot with his friends, cop comes, dad goes to jail for however long he goes to jail for, for pot. Dad's not making money for my family. Guess who has to do that? Mom. You know, guess yeah, guess who's home alone now. Yep. Mm-hmm. That is the unfortunate side effect that you have to, I mean, in some ways, now people coming out of prison are starting to get the vocational training and the education again. But you have to go to prison to get that. And there's a reason they were in prison in the first place. So there's a whole nother side to it of, of what do we do to keep people out of prison. That's not something I really looked into. I don't know if anyone else did. But that's a huge thing. Um, I do know, I, I kept hearing about some bill that was passed when Clinton was president that um, I don't know if anyone else knows about that or heard into three that. Three strikes? Or was, yeah, that, I think was it three strikes? It was, I know it was something to do with if you had even, uh, it decreased the amount of drug possession that could get you into prison. Oh, yeah. You could have a very small amount and still go to prison. Um, I know that was part of it. And that was something that was just recently repealed um, to try and get. So these guys that have, you know, a couple smokes in their pocket mm-hmm. are going to prison and then coming out worse is trying to let's do something different with those guys. Let's let's reform them. Let's get them some drug addiction training. Let's get them, you know, and, and not send them into the prison system. That's that's um, Portugal. I don't remember. I watched the video quick before while I was setting stuff up, but apparently Portugal does not have any drug laws at all. Hmm. Like you can do whatever you want. If um, I think they actually provide um, help for people that are, uh, if, if you, Man, I wish I would have paid attention to that video a little bit better. But some, like, if if you need help, if you're an, a heroin addict or whatever, and you need help, like the government will help you. Um, they provide places where you can actually take heroin or opioids. Oh, I've heard of that. And and they give you uh, like clean syringes and stuff like that. And mm. and and. and and I know, um, I think Switzerland also has something very similar. Like these places, we can, you can go if you're you're addicted. You can go there. You can take a shower. You can uh, you can shoot up if you have to with clean equipment and everything. Because uh, um, there's, I mean, there's a lot of uh, side effects or additional things that um, that that you can get from shooting up with dirty stuff but on top of that like th- those are places where if they need help if they need psychological help or if they're trying to, to to stop then you have a place that will give these people the help that they need to be able to stop and apparently that's just had like an amazing uh something like a 20 percent decrease in opioid use in these places i think mm-hmm. that one was in in particular uh switzerland i i again did not watch the uh portugal one in as much depth as i would have liked but uh to me that just makes sense you know if if this is like especially with hard stuff like heroin and and, and meth and all that stuff 
if we have a place where these people can do it without feeling like it's something that is, you know, super illegal or whatever. And if they need help that they have it available to them, I think that shifts the, the concept from being like, Oh, we need to punish you because you're sick, you know, uh, and, and move it to, Oh, you're sick. We can help you. Let's help these people. Well, it sounds like it removes some of the stigma that they're not like a valid human, I guess, sort of yeah. or criminal. It, it makes sense, but I can understand the pushback too, because you talk about you, you reference it as a sickness and then somebody might say, well, I have uh, you know, type one diabetes. And you're given this junkie who's got a self-inflicted, you know, disease, Narcan or whatever it is that I forget, you know, that, 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 or, you know, needles and all the things they need to do that. How about, how about, you know, give me needles at least or whatever, you know, so I have everything that I need for this non, right. I, I can understand, -choice. Yeah, I can understand the pushback, mm -hmm. but, you know. I think it just goes into a bigger escalate of how messed up everything is, how everything is tied to money. And when you follow the money, you can yeah. see why things are messed up. Well, fortunately, the think, system makes perfect sense. So. Totally. Oh, yeah, right. so. Maybe we should talk about that next week. <laughs> uh, um, I'm totally prepared for that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because we are talking about money next time, huh? Correct. Yes, we are. <laughs> Hidden secrets of money with Mike <laughs> um, To me, it is, it's, it's money and, again, control. Because mm -hmm. there is a there is a cultural uh, phenomenon that I, I, the more and more you look, you see it, you realize, oh my gosh, like everyone wants to, everyone wants to control other people mm. to create this like safe space for themselves and pick a topic, pick a side of the aisle and you will find a control freak. Mm. Right. And that is, and, and even, you know, the dirty laundry of the libertarian party is I'm totally libertarian, totally libertarian, totally. Well, except for that one issue where I would like to control you. And you know, that's where you get the libertarian purists who are like, get out of here. You're not a libertarian. You know, you're just selectively controlling. Like it's, but it's still this, you know, everyone's got their pet issue that, and some people have like 20 of them. Um, but you know, it is that at what, you know, pick your pet issue. Pick that thing that happened to you when you were a kid. I'm getting a little all spiritual and preachy for a second. Like, pick that thing that really, really affected your life in a negative way that you have a deep passion for and that you realize, no, this is a really bad behavior because it really, really hurt me or it really, really hurt my family or it really, really hurt my brother or, or my friend or whatever. And so you got to experience it in the shittiest way possible as the victim or the friend of a victim, and it is very, very, very real for you. Now, realize that your opinions of that are, so in, are often so incredibly strong that that is most likely the thing that you're totally cool with all sorts of freedom for all these other things except for that one thing, right? Because what happened to you was, was terrible and what happened around you was horrendous and legitimate, but now multiply that by a, by a worldwide population of people where everyone has something shitty happy, happen to them when they're a kid. 
Everyone has that story. And you realize that, oh my gosh, if this is about trying to control each other to create this space, this is a losing strategy. This is not a way to build a society. Yes, crap happens. Yes, it's valid. Yes, it's legit. But if you want to start controlling other people with your pet pain, please back up and realize that is not going to change the world. That is not going to fix your problem. And it sure as heck isn't going to create a better society where you actually are safe, right? So control and punishment cannot be the answer. And there's got to be, and obviously, you know, I'll speak for New Age Christianity. Go check out newagechristianity.org. I believe there's plenty of other answers. I think Culture of Honor by Danny Silk. And, you know, there's there's plenty of uh, non-spirit answers. There's plenty of great thinkers in the, in the political space and in the education space. But, it can, you know, yeah, control is really an easy answer when it, something hurts you. Um, but if you back up and realize that there's 7.7 billion people on this planet who've been hurt, and if we're all trying to control each other to avoid that hurt, that's not going to work. Just it's just going to hurt. Yeah. And then we're going to get what we've got. I'm done preaching. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we should uh, take it around the circle here and uh, get our last final thoughts. And we'll be going for about an hour now. Prisons. Um, it's deep. Yeah. No, <laughs> there's a, there's a benefit sometimes of going first and sometimes not so much, but I, I would say, um, going back to kind of just that God piece and that the value piece, if, if we all had the same standards of morals and, um, kind of trusting that my neighbor is going to do the right thing and, and they're going to live a, a loving, living, prosperous life, then everything will be fine. But until we can get on that same page, I, it's an uphill battle. I guess for my part, and to, to jump off of what Jen just said, like you do have to start somewhere. Right? You're not going to flip the switch overnight and have an entire society where there's honor, right? You're not going to get suddenly all the Democrats and Republicans waking up and going, you know what? You do make a valid point there. <laughs> right. Um, even if there is a valid point, they'll never acknowledge it. So um, where do you start? And and I'm not sure I necessarily have the answer um, that's the most well thought out, but I do believe the best place to start is to start looking at the laws that are literally, they're dead. You know, that whole, what you say, the sunset, sunset laws, or, the, you know, the idea that, that laws that are freaking why are people in prison for something that's now legal? Why are people, you know, in prison for something that that costs more and requires and creates a worse scenario? I mean, I just think there's some common sense solutions. Oh, what a what a Washington D.C. phrase! Common sense solutions. But start somewhere. Don't try to tackle it all at once. But at the same time, with the prison thing, like, don't take your freaking time. There's people's real lives at stake. Yeah. So don't like sit on your laurels and just. Well, we'll figure it out eventually. Like, no, get to work, but um, start somewhere. Yeah, I think, you know, in, in my intro, I said, you know, the system is so fucked up beyond all recognition. People come out so messed up, but people are realizing that. And um, 
you know, our president can only do as much as he can. I'm not a diehard Trump fan, but I believe that this was a big step in, in moving towards prison reform. Um, it is going to take time. There is the law of growth. And I believe our, our world is headed in a direction of self-government and self-realization. Um, and it's going to take time. Unfortunately, it's just going to take a lot of time. But having these conversations, having this conversation, getting the word out and talking about things, I think is part of the process. So I'm excited to be part of the process. Um, I'm excited for people to hear this message and to start thinking about things, start talking about things. And it's, it's all part of it. Yeah, totally. Um, I think part of the problem is that a lot of people just aren't aware of how big of an issue this kind of thing is. I mean, this is one issue. Like we talk about a lot of issues. This is, this is one that a lot of people aren't aware of in in detail at all. Um, And to me, it goes back to people are valuable regardless of if they've messed up. And so often we just write them off once they've, once someone has messed up, they get written off. And I think that's one of the things that we need to definitely change is just valuing people again, regardless of what kind of situation they came from. And one of the things um, that you were saying, Austin, about why are people, well, that we've talked about in general, why are people still in there for stuff that um, that's now legal Uh, and something that we didn't bring up, I think, at least not that I recall is the people that are in there that are wrongly convicted Mm. and Mm -hmm. how, out of a hundred people, just for example, out of a hundred people sentenced to death, four are likely innocent. I mean, that's, that sucks. And that's not even, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that's not even like taking into account all the other people that are, Mm -hmm. that are convicted that aren't, that are innocent. Um, I had too many notes, so I'm not finding where my statistic was uh, of how many, of the estimated number of people that are uh, that are wrongly convicted, but I think it was around. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna butcher that. I don't know. Um, but then, as far as like people actually getting exonerated, there that is increasing, or it's doing better than it was, um, partly due to the DNA evidence and stuff. But right now, it's from what I could gather about three people per week are being exonerated, um, which isn't a ton, but it is something. And those people, you know, it's great that they're not in prison anymore, but they have a lot of times no, um, they don't, they don't get any help too. They were still in the system. They still have the same kind of problems, but they're just like kicked out. They don't get any like help with job placement or any of that kind of stuff. Um, and a lot of them don't get compensated at all for the time that they were, actually the, the lies were taken away from them. That doesn't make any sense either. So there's just a lot of sides to this that a lot of people don't pay attention to. And I think it's just valuable to, to be aware of and to care about. The war on drugs, which is, has caused at least uh, if anything been a catalyst for this whole prison issue is obviously a failure um we 
we we just i mean we we honestly just need to find a better solution to this i mean if you if you look at it from top to bottom there literally is not a single part of this whole situation that is beneficial to anybody <laughs> we aren't helping these people we are putting them in a horrible situation and a lot of the reasons that we're putting in putting them in there are are don't don't even make sense anyways and uh i think it's it's something that we need to do something about i mean this this is this is not a good situation for those people that they get imprisoned not a good situation for their families is putting an unnecessary burden on them and uh and and a lot of these people come from communities that aren't super great in the first place and and the burden of having one less parent one less uh, child or whatever is uh sometimes just too great you know so um yeah, whatever we we need to do something about it. We we need to at least raise awareness about it. So, yeah. I think one of the big things that was brought up that really kind of struck a chord with me is just something that's been sitting inside me for a while and I've known it but just didn't put words to it. Is just the idea of control. People trying to control other people. And what can we do about that besides opening up our mind and going to the epic.org? Uh we can <laughs> we can begin to honor the differences between us so you know just thinking my life recently like you know working with somebody who has an entirely different temperament than i do and but it was so necessary because you know me as a natural go with the flow guy if if we were all go with the flow guys we might end up in a world of hurt at some point when we needed that detailed person who really sticks to the rules um that said not seeing somebody who's different than us and then trying to figure out how we can control them and get them to be more like us so when you see some differences, don't fear them, but try to honor them and see what kind of beauty they bring to the world. Yes, we all want to live in, in, in safe places. Well, at least most of us do. Um, <laughs> I like living on the edge. Right, you know what? I knew there were people like you. So I want to honor the difference. Danger, Fletcher. Um, yeah. Yeah. We all want to live in a safe place, but at the same time, I think it's worth bringing forward that the those countries I mentioned for like the the Norwegian prison system there were there was an attorney an attorney's office who kind of took all some of the money they had made from prosecuting I think it was the California state penitentiary system they had taken some of that money they won from those those court cases and then flew some some prison administrators from North Dakota over to Norway to go check that system out and those administrators came back in tears and said, we're hurting people. Mm-hmm. So coming back to the, why are we doing this? I mean, I think it has to be, you know, I, I think that those Scandinavians might have a, the right idea of, of mm-hmm. helping people be better neighbors. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's it's supposed, to, supposed to be what the department of justice and the department of corrections. Yeah. That's supposed to be the why, right? <laughs> right. So that said, I mean, I, sometimes I, you know, I try to police myself and think, am I being too naive here? But <laughs> if it's working somewhere else, if it's merely a culture change away, then maybe it's a culture change worth pursuing because these are real people with real lives that are being impacted forever by a bad system. Mm-hmm. That said, thanks for joining us this week. I think it was a pretty good one. 
You can find more stuff, uh, more opinions on this on the epic.org in the podcast section. You can find us on the social medias with uh, at epic ideas. You can find us on YouTube, like subscribe, share all that good stuff. And it helps us a ton. If you can't um, at this point in your life, become a, become a Patreon and, and, and just, or, you know, when you're on our site and you find the MP3s that are for sale for free and don't, <laughs> and you don't have to donate, you're not able to donate yet. You know, a way to help us out is, is by sharing our content with other people, getting it in front of other people's eyes. And uh, that does us a huge solid. Did I miss anything crew? Yeah. Yeah. Golden. All right, cool. So what's our, what's our phrase? We got a new one. You might remember it. Oh, conversations worth having? Uh, Something like that, yeah. I <laughs> thought it was, we, we sort of try. <laughs> <laughs> we sort of try to have conversations worth having. And, um, there, you, there you go. There. <laughs> oh, thanks for joining us this week. And you remember, this isn't the whole thing. We're not... We're not experts, and we didn't we didn't go so deep into this that you know the whole topic's been exhausted. This is just a primer for you. So dig in, have the conversation. Take care. <laughs>